You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm Damon Martin. He is UFC legend Matt Brown. Matt, what is going on? Man, it's all going on. The <laughs> podcast is going on now. Let's get it. Absolutely. It's uh the end of August. Are the kids back in school now? I always lose track. I know we talked about this last week. Like when the kids so the kids are back in school now, right? They are. They're back in school. They went back August 17th, so a little bit earlier than we used to go back to school, but uh, yeah, they're back. So my schedule, they need, I've been saying this forever. Like, when are we going to reinstitute fucking year round school, <laughs> keep these motherfuckers learning and give the parents a goddamn break. Every, every 17 and under person listening to this podcast just tuned out and said, screw you guys. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and then every parent out there who was like, fuck yeah, root me on. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Like I said, it's so it's so like when you don't have kids and you're out of school, you lose track of it. Like me personally, like I I notice when I'm driving around and I have and I get stuck behind buses. That's how I know when kids are back in school because I'm like, God, school buses. They always have to, they always they're always driving slow and they have to put the stop sign on like every three feet. And I'm like, Yep, school's back in session. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Yeah. Or, um... Is that where, or the kids walking all over the place and you got to fucking wait for them. <laughs> no respect at all for the drivers. No, none whatsoever. You know, it's funny. And I, you probably do this as well. When I'm driving, like, like I would, let's just say I'm driving in downtown. I'm driving in downtown. People will cut across to cross the street. And I'm always like, man, you're so lucky. I don't just hit my 
gas and just run you over. You run out in front of my car. But then when you're the pedestrian, you're the guy doing. I gear, I've done the same thing. I walk around in front of traffic. Like, hold, you're gonna wait for me. I'm walking. Like we always said, that's, that's always my attitude. Like I'm always like, God, I can't believe you would walk in front of my car. It's not even a crosswalk, you asshole. And then I'm the guy doing the exact same thing when I'm the pedestrian. I, I never took you as a type to trust people to stop for you, but you do, huh? Uh, oh yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I, 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 my, my thought is like, dude, if you, if I walk out there and it's, I mean, I'm not, I don't walk into traffic. I'm not a moron, but like, you know, if I'm in like a downtown street and it's slow moving traffic, I walk across the street. Like you'll wait, you'll wait a second. I don't, I don't, I don't make people like slam on their brakes. I'm not that like cruel, but yeah, but I'm definitely the guy who's like bitching when you're the one crossing the street and then I'm the one be like, Hey, Hey, I'm walking here. No, I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna fucking hit you next time. I was gonna say, dude, I'm gonna get plowed over by everybody when you're driving downtown. I'm like, oh, there he is. Just put a fucking target <laughs> on my back. So, uh, always. yeah, always. Yeah. I was gonna say, always, always putting a target on my back like that. Yeah, well, I I like to do it on my motorcycle. I drive by him and like slap him. <laughs> dude, it's it's so funny. We were talking. I was talking the other day about. I still have a dream of owning a Harley. Like we've had this conversation before. But we've also talked about, like, it's Ohio. It's the end of August, and it's, like, really good weather right now. We have, like, four months of this weather. I just can't justify buying a Harley knowing that I'll get to ride it for, like, four months or maybe, like, three months of the year here. I, I need to. Realistically, it's it's actually closer to, like, two months. I mean, <laughs> some people, like, I've sucked it up many times. But, you know, realistically, most of the time in the summer, it's too hot. Right? And then around this time is actually when it's really nice, you know, but I prefer it to be about 60 to 65 when I'm riding where I got to wear leathers, but you know, it's a little bit chilly, right? When it's hot out there, bro, it fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how people do it, man. I'd rather ride in the cold than in the heat. Like, I don't know how these fucking guys do it, man. They go out riding when it's 90, 95 degrees and, Dude, your ass is sweating. Like the the hot air is hitting you more. Like, it's bro. You wait every single time you stop, and you're just fucking baking in the sun. It's like, dude, you got like, I'll just get in my air conditioned car. Like, fuck this. You know? Yeah. So, right around this time of the year is about the only time when it's really solid. Like, I think it's probably 66, 65 degrees out right now. Fucking beautiful night for riding. But most of the day, it was scorching hot. It wouldn't even be fun. Yeah, it's so funny, dude. Yeah, it's no, it's, you're absolutely right. And it's funny, there's always the uh, the psychos, dude. I won't call them psychos, like the super committed dudes. Like, I'll stop at a gas station in, like, the middle of December, early January. They pull up in their Harley, yeah. and I'm just like, now that's commitment to riding right there. Yeah, I've been that guy before, too. I used to have heated gloves, heated boots, you know, a heated jacket. And I was like, like, dude, it takes me, like, 20 minutes to fucking get ready. You know, so I, and it's like... So I don't, I also don't get into the whole Harley culture where guys are riding together. Like, I don't want to ride with anyone else. You know, like these guys, they go for rides, like just to go for rides. I'm like, like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, we're going to get some drinks. I'm like, well, I'm not going to drink while I'm on my bike either. Fucking idiot. Like, so, so the whole thing, yeah. You know, so most of the time it's like, well, do I ride to the gym on my bike or do I take my, you know, and, be scorching hot or take 20 minutes to get dressed or do I just jump in my car and be done with it? <laughs> so you won't be joining the sons of anarchy anytime soon. Matt is what you're telling me. No, I mean, if I can make some drug money, maybe, but 
<laughs> like, like most of those, I, I've hung out with a lot of Harley clubs. I've never been a part of one, but I've hung out with a lot of them. And I don't know, they're, they're just fucking like LARPers most of the time. You know, like they walk in, everybody's like, oh, there's the fucking hard ass Harley guys. And it's like, these guys are fucking like doctors and lawyers or you know, <laughs> just playing dress up for the weekend, bro. Yeah, like you're, you're not like I had a my 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 old stepfather when I was a kid. He was like in like a legit like MC, like legit outlaw MC, like the one percenters. They were yeah. real dudes like they were real dudes like they were absolutely real dudes. But you're absolutely right. The vast majority of them are walking around like they put on their leather coat. And they got their chaps and everything, and they're like, "So what do you do? Oh, you know, I'm a, a you know, on the weekend. I'm a, I'm an accountant. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't even know if those real motorcycle clubs exist in America anymore. Like, I think they do out west a little bit, like maybe. But it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're gonna you're gonna traffic drugs like on your bike and just be the most obvious fucking <laughs> thing ever. You know what I mean? Or, or are you gonna go get like a Honda Accord and look a little bit more inconspicuous? It's so, because, like, the reality is, like, there are, like, I know there, I mean, I've read stories, like, the real, like, the Hells Angels, the Mongrels, like, the real, like, motorcycle clubs out there, um, but it's, like, it's, like, when you watch The Sopranos, which is, like, one of the greatest TV shows of all time, and, like, I've always heard, like, people who are in the mafia say that, like, the portrayal of it is pretty accurate, but how brazen they are and how out in the open they are is like the is not like you you when you go because you go to New York or certain cities where there's absolutely real life mob like they really like the Italian mob whoever there you don't know it like they're not like out in the open like hey by the way like I'm in the mob like you would never know it right. like they're not advertising it like they're trying to stay under the radar because like law enforcement's out for them so like you're not going to do anything to put yourself out there like raise a flag like hey come arrest me so yeah like the reality of what you see on TV is not what it's actually like in real life yeah well most of these motorcycle clubs these days are like our charities like they're yeah. doing good things and I've done some of those rides like for charity and stuff and that's cool um, you know, because you're doing it for a charity. It's not cool that you're, you know, riding with 50 other people and you have to keep their pace and watch out around you. And, and, you know, you're making a shit ton of noise driving down the road and, you know, annoying every fucking neighbor and every person <laughs> driving their car and stuff. But the charity's cool. But I'm like, what are these guys like Mongols and hell's angels? Like, what are they even doing these days? I mean, like, like seriously, like, are they the ones trafficking the drugs? I don't know. I, mean, it's a good question. I know good they question. used to, but like, I, I don't think they're doing that these days. They're out killing people. And, you know, I think that shit's all fucking old school now. It'd be, it'd be the, the stupidest thing ever. And I think they're just a bunch of uh, alcoholic fucking LARPers nowadays. Dude, if Hell's Angels comes knocking on your door to have a conversation with you, I didn't just tell you I didn't warn you. I'm just saying, I ain't saying nothing else about the Hell's Angels. I'm just saying. <laughs> You think I'm afraid of these fucking fat, out of shape, <laughs> fucking dorks? <laughs> Dude. Fuck out of here. Bro. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're going to hear a story like Hell's Angels rode to Ohio. They're coming for Matt Brown. Yeah, which is cool. That, that That's what I, I, I hang out with uh, these people. I shoot guns all the time. These people, every now and then I meet this guy. And they'll be like, oh, I wouldn't fight you, but I'd shoot you. I'm like, bitch, I'll, I'll shoot your ass too. Like, don't, what do you think? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I'm a very avid gun guy. You know what I mean? I go all the time. I practice. I actually train shooting. You know what I mean? Like, I actually practice it. So, 
most of these guys saying that, like they own a gun. They're not practicing with their gun. They own a gun. And I'm like, we can go that route too, buddy. You know, like <laughs> I'll fuck you up without a gun or I'll fucking kill you with one. Like, what do you want to do? Why why don't you just change your nickname to Rambo right now? Just play Matt Rambo Brown because you know it all. Hand to hand combat, knives, <laughs> guns, you know it all. Did Rambo know hand to hand combat? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was still a badass. Like he was still like you know. Or, I don't remember. I, I haven't seen it since. I watched that when I was like five. I don't, I don't know. I just I know that's like the or I don't know. Was no. You know what my favorite one was? It was better. You know, it was better than Rambo. And you probably haven't seen this movie because you don't really watch movies. Commando. You remember Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Remember that movie? That I remember movie, it. I, that was not, like he was well, like the ultimate. Yeah, he was the ultimate badass. Like he was hand to hand combat. He could throw like he had bazookas, machine guns, knives. Like he was just like. He was he was more badass than Rambo. I'd say Commando's better than that. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, dude, give me that yeah. one. I mean, realistically, when you talk about the movies, one of the, the most badass ones was fucking Steven Seagal. You know <laughs> oh, what I'm saying? Sensei Seagal? Silly, yeah, I mean, he was just a silly, like, fucking, you know, dork. But, dude, his movies, like, the way he fucked people up was pretty badass. Did you ever, have you ever met him at a UFC event? Have you met Seagal? I have not. I don't have interest in it. Yeah, it's so weird, dude. Like, it's like the weird. Like, I saw him a couple of times, like Anderson Silva fights, and he was just like in the distance. And I'm like, is that Steven Seagal? Like that. That <laughs> I is. See, that, I seen a bit. I seen a clip of him the other day, like trying to teach Daniel Cormier some hand to hand stuff. <laughs> I was, he was like, just don't tell anybody about this. I'm like, I'm like, it's fucking Daniel Cormier, you dummy. Like, get out of here. It always reminds me of the story. I'll never forget. I was at a UFC event in New York years ago, and we were all going out. It was, the UFC, actually, I think the UFC was in Jersey. It's where New York was open, but we all went into New York to like hang out and like get dinner and stuff because it's right there. And I can't remember who I was with, but they knew Chuck Zito. And Chuck Zito was like, I'm going to take you guys out to like this bar and we're going to have some drinks and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was just along for the ride. Never met the guy, didn't know the guy. But I was like, sure, Chuck Zito, I know who that guy is. And so, like, we went along, and that he told the story about the night he kicked the shit out of Jean-Claude Van Damme in a bar fight. <laughs> and, like, it always reminds me of that. Like, I'm not saying Chuck Zito is, like, the epitome of badass. Like, it's not like he's a trained fighter, but, like, that's the difference between, like, an actual dude who fights and the dude who fights the movies. Like, I'm not saying Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't know martial arts. I'm sure he does. But, like, yeah, there's a difference between, like, I can do this on screen and I could do this in a bar when I'm challenging a fight. Chuck Zito knocked him out. Now I don't even know who Chuck Zito is, but I've heard the name. Now was it wasn't he a legit fucking street was, guy or whatever? He was a Hell's Angels. He was a Hell's Angels guy back in the day. Okay. Yeah, like a legit. Oh, so he's gonna be the one knocking on my door. <laughs> yeah, he got out. He got out, and he became an actor. He was actually in Sons of Anarchy for like a season or something. But yeah, no, he was he was around. Uh, he was an actual Hell's Angel at one point. I think he was like the head of the. I want to say the New York chapter, maybe is that how he got? But he was out of it; like he's been out of it for years. But like, yeah, was Jason guys, Statham kind of a badass too? I don't know. I, he's another one where I'm like, not, I'm not really sure if he's like a legit badass or just like a TV badass. I'm not sure. Or is that Ben Diesel? I'm thinking of. I don't know. Uh, no, they're all just fake. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I watched Dude, a little TV. I have no fucking clue. 
I just like, dude, I just like, when I see like Randy Couture in a movie, I'm like, okay, that guy could kick your asses. Like that guy's going to whip your ass. He's like 60 years old and he'll still whip your asses. Like, I don't care what martial art you think, you know, like that's like Steven Seagal teaching Daniel Cormier. Something is absolutely hilarious to me. Like that is the epitome of comedy to me. Like, could you imagine being like, let me show you a thing or two. Like really this guy, the two time, you know, two division UFC champion show him a thing or two. Yeah, so to me, it's just so disrespectful, man. It's like, you know, he should be asking Cormier questions, right? Like, yeah. like Cormier would fuck him up so bad. <laughs> like, so that's yeah, like the. Uh, just, I don't like those it. Are- those are my favorite. I used to watch them all the time years ago when they put up the videos online of like the. Um, uh, like the martial arts experts teach you like the one finger punch and all those like weird oh, okay. techniques. And then they yeah, inevitably. Yeah, they inevitably run into somebody who's an actual fighter, and it's hilariously, like, just hilariously bad how, like, they get their ass kicked, or they just, like, get kicked (laughs) one time and they fall over. Like, I used to watch those videos and crack up because it was always the funniest, like, I know the one-finger death punch or whatever they would do. Like, you know, you don't want to get too close. I have, like, the three-inch death punch. And then they would, like, all right, let's do something. And they get kicked or punched one time and they fall over crying. It was always (laughs) hilarious to me. Yeah, that Instagram profile, McDojo Life, is the best ever, bro. He shows that shit all day long. I don't know how he finds it. I've met the guy that runs it. I don't know how he finds these fucking videos of these stooges just making shit up, you know, like not touching people and then falling over and shit. It's it's fucking amazing. MMA, MMA has ruined, like fake martial arts you know what i mean like and i I say that as a compliment like i'm not saying they aren't still out there like people don't still pay these people but i think mma has dispelled a lot of the like bullshit martial arts people out there trying to take advantage of people for their money and just like oh i know the secret you know japanese art of you know arrow fighting or so i don't making this up yeah, but like yeah. you know what i mean like i feel like mma because like, everyone knows mma now like even if you don't know mma you know what mma is right and like you you see it like you know we're so far past like you know the one discipline guy against another discipline guy like the early days of the UFC it's so been it's been so dispelled that like now like if you're like oh I got the one finger death punch well, great try that against John Jones see how that works out for you you know try yeah. that against you know try try that against uh, try that against uh, Yuri Prohoshka see how well that works out for you buddy have yeah. fun yeah try it against the latest. Dana White contender series loser. <laughs> you know, get the same result. But that's what fascinates me about his website. I, I asked, or his Instagram, I, I asked the guy, I said, I said, bro, like, how do you find these videos? Like, how, how's, how's there still so much of this out there? Like, they, these guys know that MMA exists, right? <laughs> so bad. But he, so- he, he said he has no problem. He's like, it's easy to find, bro. <laughs> He's like, that's- I just scraped the internet, bam, bam, one after the other. Like I even knew, like I watched like Bloodsport as a kid. And even I knew it was fake. Like there's no, there's no punch where you're, where you're like the, the the stuff they do in movies. It's a movie. I know it's a movie. Like I'm not, I'm not moronic. Like, but there's still hucksters but out there. But when you were growing up, then, when you were growing up, did you think WWE was real? I did until I was like nine years old. And then I figured out it was fake. Like nine or ten years old, I figured out it was fake. But I still enjoyed it. Like I still enjoy. Like I don't have you know. Like I love horror movies. I I love obviously yeah, what's yeah, behind yeah. me. Like, but I know like I know it's not real. Like I can enjoy it and know it's not real. Um, 
Like I got into I got into it watching the Karate Kid. Like that was the my entry into martial arts. I loved the Karate Kid when I was a kid. And uh and I took karate classes and it was fun, you know what I mean? It was fun, but like it, it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like the fake like, you know, they were telling you you're going to do like the 3-inch death punch or anything like that. Like it was real karate. Uh, yeah. but yeah, like that's, that was my entry point, but yeah, but listen, there's still people out there. I wanted to pretend there aren't like the, 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 the con artists out there trying to teach you these, these maneuvers or whatever. But I do believe MMA has changed it a lot to where like people know, like I just watched Max Holloway knock out the Korean zombie. I know that's not what you're doing with your three inch death punch is not what that dude's doing. And I guarantee you Max Holloway would fuck you up. <laughs> and that was, uh, I don't know why you felt, but that was pretty amazing to me. I mean, I, I knew going into that fight, I mean, you know, Korean Zombie is kind of tailor-made for a, a Max Holloway type of fighter, right? Like that's, you know, his style with being a little bit wilder and he's going to come forward no matter what. It's like, like dude, that, that's perfect for Max Holloway. I, I think we talked about it on here and I was like, you know, but in three rounds and, you know, he pieced him the fuck up and landed that perfect shot in the third round and, um, you know, that I didn't expect. Like, like Max still has it, right? He's still got that power. I, I thought Zombie would last five and, you know, at least more than three. You know what I loved about that, though? And it was the Zombie's last fight. He retired afterwards, and he's a legend. What I loved about it, I know this sounds weird saying this, because, you know, we all, we've all we've talked about this, Matt. Like, how many – we can count on one hand the amount of guys who've gone out on a win – like when you have that moment with Robbie Lawler when he knocks out Nico Price and he just that's the end of his career. Like there's so few of those moments where a legend sure. gets to win a big one and walk away. It's usually the other way around. But the one thing I will say I liked about the way the zombie went out is the zombie went out the way he came in. He went out there in that third round and just threw caution to win and just like, let's go. And they threw down and he threw down and Max landed the shot and put him out and it was over. In a weird way, like I was just like, that was the epitome of who the Korean zombie was. Like he went in and he, he went out like he came in and I thought that was cool. Again, I don't root for him to get knocked out of course, but that's what I'm saying. Like he just at third round, he's just like, fuck it. Like I'm down two rounds. Let's just try it. And he went swinging. Like he went swinging for the fences. Obviously Max caught him, put him down. But in a weird way, I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of like, that's like, I'm not like, I don't want him to, he lost to, in my opinion, the second best featherweight in the sport. Like Alexander Volkanovsky is clearing away the number one guy. Max Holloway's number two. Yeah. There's no shame in your final fight going out against the number two best featherweight in the sport. Yeah. Maybe one of the top three or four featherweights ever. There's no shame in that. And like that to me, I'm okay with that. And if the zombie walks away on that, like I hope he does. Like unfortunately, we all know the story of like guys actually retiring and staying retired, but in a weird way, I was like, okay, this is kind of like a fitting ending, even though, again, I don't root for him to get knocked out. But going out that way against Max Holloway, I was like, it's kind of perfect for that dude. Were you surprised that he retired? No. You know, I know he's dealt with a lot of injuries, and he has taken a lot of damage over the years. You know, he didn't get, he didn't get that nickname, the Korean Zombie, by accident. You know what I mean? Like, he, he went out there and... So I think it's, you know, and I, I appreciate that he had the perspective of it to know, like, he wanted to go out on top. He wanted to fight Max Holloway. He wanted that card in Singapore. He got it. Uh, he did it. He took a shot. He missed. He didn't win. And uh, he walked away. So, no, because I don't, I don't picture the Korean zombie being the guy, like, give me the contender series guy. Give me the guy off the ultimate fighter. Like, I just, I don't, I, you know, he's a... He's a he's a he's a marketable star like guy and he's always been a top fifteen guy. I just can't see him being like, let me start at the bottom 
and work my way up again just to fight. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like he knew it was time. And also, you know, he took a lot of damage. You know, he took a lot of damage yeah. in his career. Like, you know, walk away while you can. Like, as we, I know we say it all the time, Matt, you know, uh, retire from the sport. Don't let the sport retire you. That's it. Yeah. Have you ever interviewed zombies? Once or twice, obviously it's tough, you know, with the translator and everything, but he's a nice guy. I've interviewed him at a couple of events. I was at his fight uh, in W, was it WC or UFC? When he fought, I think it was UFC, when he fought Dustin Poirier in a main event. I was at mm-hmm. that one in Virginia. Um, I've been at a couple of his cards, so I've interviewed him a few times. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just, I don't know, how old is he? I, I like. I did not expect him to retire. It actually took me, uh, surprised uh... me a little bit, just... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't follow him that closely, but yeah. uh, I just didn't think that he was old enough to be retiring. And and like you said, he lost to the number two guy, um, you know, who you know, has an argument for, you know, one of the top two or three best ever in the weight class. Um, he is. Uh, he's 36. Yeah. See, that seems a little young for me. Uh, to yeah. me for him. I mean, and he, you know, he still goes out and beats. You know, if he gets the right matchups, you know, he goes on a good winning streak, I think, you know. So, you know, I don't know. It just surprised me a little bit. Yeah, let's not forget his last, his, his last two losses came against Alexander Volkanovsky in a title fight and Max Holloway. Talking about going out on top. Good yeah. Lord. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That's why it did surprise me a little bit. So, yeah, it, I just I thought he had a lot more juice in the tank, you know. Yeah. Speaking of juice in the tank, man, is, is Max Holloway, man. It's so crazy. Like, and listen, we're all, I, I, we all, we all can be prisoners of the moment, right? Like, we can all be prisoners of the moment when something happens. When he got that third fight with Volkanovski, and Volkanovski just put it on him. I did not see that coming. Like, not at all. I one hundred percent did not see that coming. I thought Max Holloway won their second fight. He lost the first, no doubt about it. I thought Max won the rematch, and then obviously the third one. I was like, Max is going to win. Like, Max just looks so good. I think he's yep. going to turn up the Jets and do it. And then Volkanovski, my God, he just went out there and put him on, put it on him for five rounds. One-sided fight. Really kind of concluded and kind of like, you know, told us who the number one guy is. And then coming back from that, you're kind of like, well, maybe Max has like lost a step. Maybe he's on that decline now. Like maybe that was the, that was the, you know, you know, as well as I do, Matt, like sometimes it's one fight, like just one fight. And some guys are never the same again. And we are like, well, maybe, maybe that was, maybe that was the one. And he comes out and beats Arnold Allen and, and beats him dominantly and then goes out and does what he does mm-hmm. the Korean Zombie. There is no doubt in my mind, Max Holloway is still the number two featherweight in the world. The yeah. only downside for him is Alexander Volkanovsky still exists. Yep, yep, I couldn't agree more. The one thing about Max that I love about Washington fighters, he's so consistent, it seems like. Right, like every fight, you're going to get a very good Max, and he's going to have great boxing. You know, he's going to fight his style, and he's going to do it very, very consistently and do it very, very well every time. You know, he's almost he's like the ACDC, right? <laughs> of uh, no, uh, fighting, right? Like you know what you're getting every time, and like you better be good enough to beat it. Right now, the only guy good enough to beat it is fucking Alexander Volkanovski, but. The most guys, you know, he's going to be able to do exactly what he does to him, and he does it to fucking everybody. Is there a world where Max Holloway could get a fourth fight with Alexander Volkanovsky? Is there any universe where that could happen? Yeah, that's a good question. I I could see it um, in the sense of it being a, a competitive fight and a winnable fight for Max. 
but I don't know. You you probably know better than me. You know the division better. Like who all's in that division? You know what's what's the um, ups and downs there? You know, I mean, I the the big problem there is like if if you got to get through Max to get to Alex, uh, who's going to get through Max to get to Alex? Yeah, I mean, Ilya Taporia is going to be the next guy for the title shot, and I think he deserves yeah. it. Um, I will yeah. say. And I think Ilya Tapori is really good, and I think he's, you know, as good as we've seen a contender coming up to the ranks. He beat Josh Emmett, which is a good win, but he hasn't gone through. He hasn't fought Brian Ortega. He hasn't fought Max Holloway. He hasn't fought, you know, those top two or three guys in front of him. But again, he's earned it. I have zero problem with him getting the title shot, and he should get it because, you know, Alex has already beaten pretty much everybody else. So that's an interesting one. I think that's going to be next for Volkanovski. But yeah, I don't know, like, because Max is you got like, the division. Do you got the division pulled up there? Let me pull it up real quick here. We'll pull it up and look at yeah, the rankings. Yeah, tell me, talk about the top five, All right. ten guys so, there. Top top five guys, the top five, top ten guys at Featherweight. And this is where it gets interesting, and you'll see what I'm talking about here. Okay, so Alex is number one. Max Holloway, or Max, Alex is champion, of course. Max is number one. Yaya Rodriguez, who Alex just bought, fought, and beat, and Max is already beaten. Brian yep. Ortega, who Volkanovski beat, and Max has already beaten. Arnold Allen, who Max just beat. Uh, Ilya Taporia, who's kind of like the the one kind of guy, you know, that, that's aside from everybody else. You got Josh Emmett, who just lost Ilya Taporia and also lost to Yaya Rodriguez. You got Calvin Cater, who's coming back from a knee injury. He lost to Max Holloway, so, like, he's out there, but, again, he's already had that fight. You got the Korean Zombie, who is now retired. You got Giga Chikadze, who had a great fight on Saturday, but he was gone for 18 months, and he did have a pretty lopsided loss to Calvin Cater. And then the Dark Horse, the guy that I think could be, like, the next contender who's going to be interesting, unfortunately, he just can't stay healthy enough to fight, is Mosar Evloev, the wrestler. Uh, mm. that, dude, that dude's a monster. The problem is he can't stay healthy to save his life. Like, every time he has a big fight booked, he gets injured, and he's going through that, like, that Khabib Kane thing where like remember early in Khabib's career where he kept getting injured all the time and obviously eventually got past it. But I feel like that's where we're at with Mosar. Like Mosar seems to be like he's like the guy who could be the next guy in line, but he just can't stay healthy enough to get those fights. Yeah, and he's the wrestler of the group, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. But yeah, I I think when you're when you go down that list there, yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like if you gotta get through Max, well, Max is already beat. 90% of those guys. So it makes it, yeah, like you said, Ilya is going to be next, but that makes it really, really complex now. You know what I want to see? You only throw out an idea at you, Matt. Like, I listen, I ha- I would have zero problem if they said Mozart versus Max Holloway. Uh, but again, that's a, that's a pretty dramatic step down from number one to fight number 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I think would be fun? I'm going to throw this out as an idea for early next year. Max Holloway versus Aljamain Sterling. Aljo's talked about coming up to 145. I think we all kind of agree he's not going to get the automatic rematch with Sean O'Malley as much as he wants it. And you know, I honestly I would have no problem if the UFC gave Aljamain a rematch. He was the longest defending champion. But let's be honest, Aljo has not gotten a lot of consideration uh, from from you know the UFC when it comes to like his matchmaking. Like you know, very rarely yeah. they're like, oh, you fought Henry Suda for five rounds in May. Can you turn around and fight again three months later? So I don't see them being like, you know what, Aljamain, you've been a great champion. Let's give you an automatic rematch. We got this superstar in Sean O'Malley. We're going to give you a rematch that you know you're going to be favored to win. Um, I don't think he's getting the title shot. I don't think like I think Murab Dewalish really is the guy, but I don't even know if he's getting the title shot. 
So, right. Aljamain, like, why not? It, it, what ha- he loses to Max Holloway? How bad is that? Like, okay, well, you go back to one thirty-five. You got another option. Like, but if you beat Max Holloway, if you go out and beat Max Holloway as Aljamain Sterling, you can put him on the ground and choke him out. Let's just hypothetically say that could happen. You just erased every memory people had of you get knocked out by Sean O'Malley. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a lose-lose for Max, though, right? I mean, kind of, but, I mean, Max needs high-profile fights. If he's going to get back, if he's going to justify a fourth fight with Alexander Volkanovsky, and he's going to interest Alexander Volkanovsky in that because, I mean, what does Alex have to gain, really? He's uh, he's got three wins over Max. What does he really have to gain for fighting for a fourth yeah, time? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, try you know, keep trying until you win one. Um, Aljamain's a big enough name. He's a former champion. And he's a new guy. Like, you're not fighting. Because I, I don't really have a lot of interest in watching Max beat up Brian Ortega again. I don't really have a lot of interest in watching him beat Calvin Cater. I don't really, like, when I look down that list, like, there's really not, like, the one guy out there is Ilya Taporia, and he's fighting Volkanovski. So, right. and it's a big fight. Like, Max could headline a card, a, a big fight night card. He could headline a card against Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, yeah. I feel where you're coming from there. I just wonder how Max would feel about it, you know? I have a hard time seeing him getting very excited about that. Maybe, but here's the thing. Like, I know Max, because Max has has, has dabbled at going to 155. I know he's talked about that, and he did it with the the Poirier fight a couple years ago. But we've seen this over and over and over again. It is not easy to jump up weight classes and find a ton of success, especially when you're talking about a snake pit like lightweight or a snake pit like welterweight. Like, when you're jumping into the deep end, like, Listen, dude, I you will not find a bigger Khabib Nurmagomedov fan than the guy sitting in this chair. I think the guy's a monster, best lightweight of all time, um, all those kind of things. But if he had moved to 170 when he was in the prime of his career, I still think there's like, I think about him fighting a guy like Usman in his prime, a guy like Hamzat, who was at 170 around that time. Like, dude, I don't care. I don't, he would have, there's no way he wouldn't have had some struggles fighting that big, strong, massive opponents that you'd fight at welterweight. Same thing here. Like Max Holloway is as good as they get, but he was he had problems dealing with Poirier's size and power at lightweight. Mm. So I don't know. Like, could he go to lightweight and fight some guys? Sure. Like, there's some fun fights there for him as well. But I think the Aljamain fight would be fun. It's a big fight. Aljamain's a former champion. Max is a former champion. They're both kind of stuck in limbo right now. Like, you know, Aljamain's not getting a rematch, and he's not going to fight Marab. I mean, let me ask you this question. What would you get more excited for? Aljamain versus Max Holloway or Aljamain versus, uh, I'm trying to think, like, who's a little further down the rankings of Bantamway, like uh, Rob, Rob Font. You going to get excited for Aljamain Rob Font or you going to get excited for Aljamain Max Holloway? Mm, I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I just don't see where the advantage is for Max because – you got to think that the only thing Max really wants is to get back to fight uh, Volkanovski again, right? And, you know, I don't know what his future plans are, but, you know, when you look at the amount of fights that he's had and the amount of fights, you know, if he can't get back to fighting Alex, you know, like, you know, what does he want to do with his career? Is he just going to shoot for those big super fights? You know, and, and if, if that's the case, yeah, maybe like an Aljo fight makes sense. But if he wants to get back to fighting Alex, you know, he's got to he's gotta fight. Maybe, you know, whether it is a, a Rob Font or, well, I guess, you know, that'd be a different way. But, you know, he, he it might be whoever, you know, might have to rematch Ortega or, you know, whatever it is. You know, he's got to do what he's got to do to get back to that. And 
just my feeling from Max without, you know, I, I'm not like close with him or anything, but my feeling is like he wants another title shot and whatever's going to get him closer to that. And I don't see where beating Aljo does a lot for him to get him closer to fighting Alex again. Uh, I disagree. And here's why. And I'll, I'll close out on this. We'll, we'll move on, but I'll say this. We got to remember one fight ago, if, if Aljamain had beaten Sean O'Malley, that thing'd be different for sure. Aljamain, well, no, what I'm saying is Aljamain beat Sean O'Malley. Aljamain would have gone up to the title, and I think he could have fought Volkanovski. I think he could have taken yeah. that shot from Ilya. So that's why I say, like, I don't think it's a terrible thing because it's still a big name. It's still a former champion. It's still a big fight because when I look down the list, and I don't mean to knock any of these guys, but like I said, Yair, he's beaten. Ortega, he's beaten. Arnold Allen, he's beaten. That's number two, three, and four. Ilya's getting the title shot. The next guy is Josh Emmett. Now, would Max Holloway and Josh Emmett be a fun fight? Sure. But Josh Emmett's coming off two losses in a row to Yair yeah, and Ilya. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like, does it do? I was like, okay, so let's go a little further down. Let's go to uh, Calvin Cater. Already fought him and beat him. Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, just fought him and beat him. The next guy on the line is Giga Chikadze. Now, do I think Giga and Max would be a fun fight? Sure. It would be a fun fight. Striker against striker. Giga's really high-level striking. But, you know, Giga's one fight removed from losing to Calvin Cater. I just, like... To me, yeah. like, what's what's a bigger, more meaningful fight? Giga Chikadze or Aljamain Sterling? And again, I, now, if Aljamain loses again, then it goes away. But just being a former champion, one fight removed from being champion, was already talking about going to 145. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's a fun fight. It's a big name. And it would be an opportunity for Max to take another, to add another big, you know, another big name to his resume that isn't really readily available right now at featherweight. Yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. And when, like, when you go down that list like that, it's like, you know, what options do you have? You know, it's like, you kind of got to do what you got to do. So, you know, I think it kind of comes down to where Max is in his career and what he wants. And, you know, I'd be interested to hear his perspective on that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA 
for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Interesting coming up in a matter of days, the UFC Paris card. We got Rose Namajunas is going to make her flyweight debut against Meno Fior. That was an interesting one to me, Matt, because um, Rose Namajunas, of course, multi-time strawweight champion. She has two wins over the current champion, Zhang Wei Li. So I think we all kind of assumed like she was going to get right back. I mean, I swear I thought they were just going to give her the title fight before Amanda Limos. Uh, because, right. you know, it's Rose Namajunas. Instead, she leaves the division, she moves up to 125, and she's fighting Mendo Fior. Now, I talked to Aaron Blanchfield before her fight. She obviously won over the weekend against Tyler Santos, and she appears to be the number one contender in the division. I asked her about Rose, and she's like, I don't really understand the move. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Rose wasn't the biggest 115-pounder. Like, she's kind of a wiry, you know, right. uh, and, and, like, I don't, like, she's like, I don't, understand that 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 move didn't make sense to me is i think what she said exactly um matt i don't totally disagree with her now do i like rose namajunas absolutely do i think rose can beat meno fior yes because meno fior is not a super high level grappler and as long as rose goes to that kind of attack in this fight i think she's got a great chance but this is one of those ones where it's kind of like i don't i don't know if she's going to find as much success at flyweight as she found at strawweight like she's one of the best strawweights of all time but we saw when Joanna moved up and she fought Valentina. It was just it wasn't it wasn't even. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a you know an even matchup between those two. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Like I know it's impossible to predict before we see it, but that was like there's certain fighters when they make the move, I'm kinda like, okay, that makes sense. Didn't really make sense with Rose to me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um the only the hard part about commenting on that is I've never heard of Amanda Fiore or Mano Fior. She's I've literally never even heard this name before. So maybe I need to. Maybe if I'm doing a podcast talking about fights, I should follow fights closer. But, you know, like, but like I've literally never heard of her, so I have no idea what that means for Rose. So, but I do know Rose and follow her a lot and uh, closely, and you know. You know, she's an interesting character, right? Like, she's a little bit um, unique with a personality and the way she goes about things. So, you know, maybe there's, uh, you know, just something in her mind telling her to do this. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I feel the same way as you. I mean, she's not big enough for that weight class, I don't think. She was a, She's a very, like... She's tall, but she's very wiry for 115. Like, yeah. I just... Has she fought at 125 before? No, first time. First time doing yeah, it. She's fought at Strawweight her entire... It was one of the weirder ones. It was one of the ones when I heard it, I was like, really? That doesn't... That's kind of odd, especially knowing she has two wins over the current Strawweight champion. Like, is she just yeah, looking for a the, different kind of challenge? Or? She's fighting She's fighting Alexa Grasso in, like, two weeks for the title, the rematch. Uh, at 35. At 25. 
at 25. Okay, yeah, yeah, so we're going to move up and not fight for the uh, – so I thought that you were saying they're moving up for a vacant title shot. No, no, no. So they're they're just – they're just, no, they're just, yeah, they're just fighting. Valentina and Alexa are fighting in two weeks at that uh, Mexican Independence Day card in, in Vegas, the Noche UFC card, September 16th. Oh, they're yeah, fighting in yeah, the rematch, okay. yeah. So basically gonna it's going to – yeah, it's going to come down to the winner of this one between Fior and Rose, and then Aaron Blanchfield, who of course got to win this past weekend. So, um, I yeah, just, which me and you have talked about Aaron Blanchfield since she debuted, and we're like, dude, this is the next one in line right here. Like, she's a fucking badass. She is, and I, you know what I loved about her performance this last weekend? It didn't come easy. Like, went out there. Tyler Santos brought it to her in that first round. Yeah. Like, she was hitting her pretty good. I was like, damn, Tyler Santos is lighting her up a little bit on the feet. Blanchfield didn't blink, didn't get didn't get discouraged, comes back out in that second round, grinds her, wears her out by the third round. Tyler Santos was tired, couldn't really put any sting on her punches anymore. And I said, like, if that fight had gone five rounds, she would have finished that fight. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind she would have just worn out Tyler Santos by round four, round five. I love those kind of gritty performances because it can't always be easy. Yeah. Like, it can't always just be you go out there and just absolutely – like, that was Shane Carwin. I love Shane Carwin. But, like, remember him, everyone? He just went out and absolutely just just ran through people. And then when he had that fight with Lesnar and he couldn't do it, like, he couldn't finish Lesnar in that first round, then he was just gone. Like, he was gassed out of his mind. Uh, you need those challenges. You need to get yeah. pushed. You know, you need to not have it made easy on you. Yeah, and now we see that she can work through – uh, that kind of grind too, right? Like some, like you said, like there, there's people out there that run through people for a long time. Then you realize, oh, okay, the game plan here is you got to survive the first round, and then you got a good shot. Uh, but now we see with her, like yeah, she can go through a long fight or a short fight, and she has skills and she's tough. Like I see a lot of good things out of her. And she's 24. I mean, you know, there's no rush yeah. with her. She's got plenty of time. Like if she, even if she doesn't get the next title shot, like she's right there. She's a monster. Like I think, like I think, I think she could. I think you could argue she's the best flyweight in terms of talent right now. She just doesn't have yeah. the resume, but yeah, like she's a monster. And that's where I'm like, that's where like again, where I like I I'm very curious how Rose is going to do because in terms of talent. Rose is one of the most talented fighters I've ever seen. Like she's incredibly talented, yeah. but you know, as, as I just said, like the example with Khabib earlier or anybody else, like, can you find success moving up a weight class? Absolutely. You can look at Kelvin Gastelum did it middleweight. Robert Whitaker was a welterweight. We all forget he was once a mm -hmm. welterweight, uh, got beat by Steven Wonderboy Thompson goes up to middleweight and he's, you know, a champion and one of the best middleweights in the world. It obviously can be done, uh, but it's not easy. And and there's a there's a steep learning curve when you go up to a different weight class like that. Uh, as you want to young Jacek, one of my favorite fighters in history, found out when she fought Valentina at 125. Like it's just yeah. a different different size, speed. You know, Valentina dealt with that at 135. Like she was, I think she was skilled for skill as good or better than anyone at 135. But Amanda Nunes was a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, mm -hmm. and those little advantages make a difference you know those little yeah. things make a difference in a fight and so skill for skill i think rose is the better fighter and i think she's one of the most talented fighters in the world but can she deal with that size that power that weight discrepancy you know that's going to be a yeah. you know it's not like she was it's not like we saw rose or like man she's struggling to make 115 like that was never the case with rose right right and it's like you know can you deal with that power and size but also does your own power carry over you know, that's such a big part too. Like, can you hurt the people 
at a larger weight class, it's much harder to hurt a bigger person than it is a smaller person. I mean, it's just physics or I don't know, something, you know, some, <laughs> some sort of scientific shit. Right? But that, that goes, you, know, you see it in boxing all the time. Like guys are knocking people out and then they go up to bigger weight class and, you know, eventually they stop knocking people out just simply by going up weight classes, even though they're landing as many clean shots. So, um, yeah, so I think that's going to be the interesting part on top of all that. Did you, uh, real quick, did you see the Usyk fight over the weekend? Um, I've seen clips. I didn't watch it closely. It kind of was about what I expected to happen. You know, yeah. so it, I wasn't overly excited about it. Um, I didn't, I didn't I watch it. I saw, I saw the clips. I didn't watch the fight itself. I was working the, I worked the UFC Singapore card. So I was up at like 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings. So by the time, by the time Max Holloway got done fighting, I was like, I need a nap. I'm not staying up for Usyk right now. I'm too tired. <laughs> Oh, I forgot you don't get up that early. <laughs> no, I do not ever. So like by the end of the like by the end of the press conference on, on Saturday, I was like, all right, I need a nap. I'm done. I was like, I I like I like Alexander Usyk, but I'm not staying up for his fight right now. <laughs> well, he looked great as always. You know, people keep wondering when he's gonna lose his step, right? Because he's 35, 36 years old now, which is pretty old in boxing years, right? So, you know, the consensus keeps saying, like, dude, he's about to lose his step, but he just goes out there and proves everybody wrong every time. And He's still looking great. He's still doing amazing. And um, like I said, the matchup, you, you kind of knew that it was a good matchup for Usyk. Um, it was dangerous in the in the respect that uh, Dubois could have landed, you know, a big shot. That's kind of what he does, right? Could have landed a big shot, hurt Usyk. And, uh, you know, Usyk had his feet under him still at, at this age. So it wasn't happening. Yeah, I saw Daniel fight. I think he fought on the undercard for that first uh, Paul Woodley card in Cleveland. I got to meet him and saw him fight on that card. And he's, you know, mm -hmm. good good heavyweight. But, yeah, it's just – let me – let me. We, I know we've talked a lot because we have the MMA side of this whole thing, Matt. Like, we get it, but you are the boxing guy. Like, anytime I want to know about boxing, you're my go-to resource because you actually follow boxing super close. I don't. I fully admit. Like, I watched Crawford and Spence, loved every minute of that. But I don't follow the you know, I don't follow the up and comers. I'm not like a super nuanced boxing guy. So I come to you for this. There has been like a real I won't say I won't say an uproar, but like here we are again is what kind of like the sense I get from the boxing community. Like Usa goes out and he's he's still the other guy in the division, beats you know, beats Dubois, he's beaten Joshua twice, everyone wants to see him fight Fury. And yet Tyson Fury is fighting Francis Ngannou. Now, we've had yep. this conversation on the show before, Matt. You will not find anybody rooting harder for Francis Ngannou to make his paycheck. Do I think he has a great chance of beating Tyson Fury? No, I'm not going to lie to you and say he does. He doesn't. He doesn't have a great chance. Does he have a puncher's chance because he hits like a truck? Yes. But realistically, does he have anything beyond that? Probably not. But as a boxing purist yourself, like now, I know you, we've said this on the show, we're all happy for Francis, right? Like that's, let's get that out of there. We're all happy Francis is getting paid. There's no doubt about that. But in terms of boxing, you see Usyk fight, and now two months later we're going to see Fury fight in another fight. Is there, like, any genuine upset that we're not getting to see Usyk and, and Fury right now? Yeah, I think a lot of people are upset. and I, I mean, I think you said it uh, perfectly well, right? Like, uh, Francis, we're all happy as hell for him. The loser in this whole situation is Usyk, right? Like, you know, Fury's getting another big payday. A lot of, a lot of people are going to watch this fight, right? Like Fury and Gano. Fury's getting a big payday, and Gano's getting a big payday. Usyk's out there fighting Daniel Dubois, <laughs> Dubois, however you say it. Yeah, like you know, he's kind of getting fucked in this whole thing. Um, you know, the I guess the question is really, you know, and I, you know, none of us really know. Like maybe unless you're a deep, deep boxing follower, 
which I'm not like, I do follow it pretty closely, but I don't get deep into the political shit. And it's like, you know, who's not making the fight? Is it Fury or is it Usyk? And, you know, you hear both of them claiming the other one's the one fucking up the, the negotiations, but you know, so, so I don't know who's making the problem there. You know, it took Mayweather Pac-Man, what, five, six, seven years to make that fight. Like this is the way big boxing matches go, which was why Crawford Spence was so amazing to, fucking top guys in their prime you know going out there and putting on a show so i don't know you know who's making the problem here but um in one way or another Usyk is the fucking loser here he's the one getting fucked out of this big uh potentially biggest uh heavyweight fight shit since i can remember i don't know yeah but i want to see that fight like i'm i, I think everybody you know, wants to see Usyk and Fury and see, you know, I think the consensus is probably leaning towards Fury beating him, but it's like, you know, we've never seen Fury against a guy like that, that moves that well and throws the volume that Usyk throws and, you know, brings the kind of um, skills that Usyk brings. So I think everybody wants to see it. Usyk is super technical. You know, he's not the biggest heavyweight, obviously. He's an undersized heavyweight, so he has to be more technical. He's not just going out there swinging, trying to get yeah. one-punch knockouts. I think that's what makes him so dangerous because he's super skilled and he knows he can't compensate with just like, well, if I lose three rounds, I can come back with the big right hand and I can win the fight. That's just not who he is. He can't, you know, he doesn't, right. he's not built that way. Um, and and I think it's, and Tyson Fury is actually a super technical boxer himself. And he obviously has knockout power. Um, I think it's a really interesting matchup. Like, but again, like, yeah, you're right. He's the loser in this whole thing. And like you mentioned Mayweather Pacquiao, and I've said this before, did I enjoy Mayweather Pacquiao? Sure. It was a lot of fun. Like I was glad to see two icons of boxing fight. Did it come about three or four years too late? Yes, it did. Pacquiao wasn't the same Pacquiao as when he was on that run, when he was just just mopping people. You know what I mean? Like he was not the same at that point. Now, do I think that, you know, Fury can beat Nganu and then fight Usyk a year later and it's still not a great fight? Sure it is. But do I have a lot of confidence in that actually happening? No, I don't. So like, that's like as happy as I am for Francis, like there's part of my, like my, my competitive fighter brain where I'm like, yeah, it's a great fight, but what's a more competitive fight? Well, yeah, it's clearly yeah. Usyk and Fury. Like, are we going to, like, I, I I know we say this, like, we talk ourselves into it, but, like, we can't talk ourselves, like, I talk myself into knowing that Francis has one chance to beat Tyson Fury, and that is catching him with a big punch and putting him out. Now, can that happen? Yes, it can. Heavyweights are built like that. I saw... Uh, an interview uh, I saw as I was watching something today with uh, Butterbean. Remember Butterbean? And Butterbean was, Butterbean was talking about, like, uh, he's like, you know, this guy was skilled, that guy was skilled, and Butterbean said something like, yeah, but heavyweights just hit hard. He's like, it didn't really matter. I hit hard. Like, he's like, I was never that good. I just hit really freaking hard. And I was like, that's and, fair. But he was also never a great heavyweight boxer. You know, no one ever called Butterbean like, a great heavyweight boxer. That was but the king of the four-rounders. But, but it's true, when you hit hard, that can make up for a lot of your technical deficiencies. But, um, you know, to an extent it does. And, I, like, I've, I've talked about this before, man. Like, you know, to an extent it does. But, obviously, like, you have to land that punch, too. Yeah. You know, like, that, it works great against really technical guys up until they're about, you know, fucking Tyson Fury level. <laughs> you know, like, like it, yeah, that works great. But now, you know, 
it doesn't do so much for you when you got a guy like Tyson Fury that can bob and weave and move like a little guy. Yeah, well, it's like I still, I still think it's, I still think it's insulting to everyone just because the downgrade Deontay Wilder, even though he is a power punch and that's what he does. He's not the worst boxer. You don't get to that level. Like, does he have insane knockout power? Of course he does. He has some of the most heavyweight boxing power ever. But he still has to go out there. Like, you can't just be a terrible boxer and survive in that level without being at least somewhat decent to make it that point. You know what I mean? Like, can you lose rounds and need to come back with a big haymaker? Sure. But as you said, you still have to land it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah. you just throw, it's not like you can throw the wing in a prayer and hope it lands. Like, you still have to land it. Yeah. And I, I think Dante, Deontay Wilder is better than a lot of people give him credit for, it too. And he just looks terrible doing it. You know, he gets <laughs> off balance and, you know, he does a lot of the technical flaws that a, a boxing coach would say, you know, he's not doing this good. He's not doing this good. He's not doing this good. Like, like he's not going to be writing any books on uh, boxing technique. But there's, you know, I tell all of my students this all the time. They say, hey, you know, should I throw like this or can I do this? And I, and I would say, look, if it lands, it wasn't wrong, right? So, you know, you can talk all the shit they want about Deontay Wilder, how it looks, but he lands. So what, what what's the problem? He lands and knocks motherfuckers out. That's what the goal is. Yeah. Who do you think hits harder, Deontay or Francis Ngannou? That's a good question. I'd love to see a... Uh, punch off contest. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, to be honest, I would lean towards Francis just because the way he's built. Like Deontay is obviously built to punch, but he's so much longer. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of his power comes from, um, you know, him winging. I don't know. Like Francis is so much more muscular. You know what I mean? So I bet, like, on a power scale like Francis probably hits harder, but when you get, you know, when you get at the end of one of Deontay's long, hard, straight rights, it's like, you know, is it so much harder that, you know, it's not going to knock someone out? You know what I mean? It's like a nuclear bomb versus a fucking atom bomb. I don't know if that <laughs> is the same thing or what. I don't know, but I don't know. It's like, I get, it's like an AK versus an AR, right? Like they're both fucking killing you. <laughs> Yeah. It's, yeah. Like I, I listen, I, I listen, I know I'm, I'm maybe a little bit biased here. Like I think Francis might hit harder than anyone we've seen in combat sports that I can remember. Like maybe pound for pound Tyson, maybe he hit harder in his prime, like pound for pound, like at his best at two twenty. You know All right. Tell me who is pound for pound, the hardest puncher in history. In MMA or, or, or across boxing too. Across boxing too. You're not. I, I. I would have no idea. I have no idea who would be the, who would be the best. <laughs> a little bit, of bo- little bit of boxing trivia. So there's a guy that is the pretty much the consensus hardest pound for pound hitter in history, and that's Julian Jackson. Okay, I don't even know who Julian Jackson is. Yeah, he was in the '80s. So you have to check him out, man. All right. But yeah, there's a lot of guys they say hit real. You know, Ernie Shavers is one. Of I know Ernie ones. Shavers. I know him. I know him. Yeah, yeah. Sonny Liston is also up there at the top. So. Yeah, there's, you know, certainly a lot of guys. Yeah, but Francis, like, the way that dude generates power is scary. And, again, that's his shot. And I, you know what? Again, I don't, dude, I don't care if he goes out there and loses and, and doesn't win a single round. As long as he's getting paid $20 million or whatever, I'll be happy for him. Um, but, yeah, like I said, that's his shot, dude. If he can land that one shot, dude, he can put anybody out. If Tyson Fury's, like, playing around and, you know, not taking it serious, I hope he's taking it serious. I would assume he well, is. That- 
I mean, that's the question too, right? Like, you know, we would have said the same thing about Deontay Wilder. If he can land that one shot, well, he did land that one shot and Tyson got the fuck back up. So yeah. Can Francis land that one shot? You know, he better hit harder than fucking Deontay Wilder did. (laughs) It scares me though, because I'm always like, like, I always wonder like how serious is he taking it? Like is Tyson, because Tyson is Tyson is one of the most talented heavyweight boxers I've ever seen. Like I've told you before, you're always surprised when I tell you who my favorite boxer is, is Lennox Lewis. I loved Lennox Lewis. I loved watching yeah. him box. Um, super technical, great fighter. And that's kind of what Tyson Fury reminds me of. Super technical, great fighter. But there are moments when he's kind of taking his eye off the ball in terms of like outside the, outside the ring stuff. Now we've all heard the stories. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's dealt with mental health issues and I 100% root for him on that kind of stuff. But you know, he seems like he's in peak form right now. He's at his best right now. But, you know, no one no one is going to pick Francis Ngannou to beat him. So is there, like, a world where he doesn't take this seriously and mm-hmm. he thinks he can go in there and just clown Francis Ngannou and Ngannou just uncorks uh, uh, Alistair Overy punch and takes yeah. his head off? Like, there is a world where that can happen. Yeah, and that's – so this is what we were talking about before, right? Like, the, the biggest – advantage that Francis has is, is Tyson doesn't know anything about him as a boxer, right? He knows what he could do as an MMA fighter, but he's never watched him box before, right? He's never seen him, you know, how he moves in the ring, you know, with shoes on and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just different, you know, like is Francis going to go in there and, you know, set things up? Is he going to start off with a jab? Is he going to, you know, just throw haymakers? Like, you know what I mean? So like Tyson has no idea what to really expect here. And that makes a, a problem for his training camp. And, you know, like what training partners does he bring in and, you know, what kind of looks is he getting? So, you know, Francis has all the video on Fury for years and years of boxing. So in that aspect, like Francis has a huge advantage. Yeah. And like I said, man, that, that again, I agree with you because I saw Wilder knock for, uh, uh, Tyson Fury down and I would have said fight's over. Like just wave it off. It's done. And he got up and continued. And I still to this day don't know how in the hell he did it. Um, so, you know, can can he take a punch? Well, you know he can take a punch. But my worry is how seriously is he taking it? Because, you know, he knows he should beat Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou should not win a single round against Tyson Fury in reality, right? Like, it should not happen. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, is he going to be clowning? Is he going to be playing around? Is he going to be just like, you know, fucking around in there? And Francis is taking this dead serious? And he comes out there and uncorks a right hand or throws an uppercut and snaps his head off. Could that happen? Yeah. Now, again, am I saying it's likely to happen? No. But that worries me for Tyson. Like, is he taking this seriously? Like, is he like, is he he grinding for Francis Ngannou the way he would grind for Alexander Usyk? Is he grinding for Francis Ngannou the way he grinded for three fights with Deontay Wilder? I don't know. Sure. And and I can say from my own experience, my worst fights were the ones where I just – you know, the the second that I got the call to fight this guy, I was like, oh, I got this, no problem. The ones I knew that I was better than the guy, like like I could quote, uh, or I could cite exact particular exact times that I lost thinking that I was so much better than the guy that it would be easy. And you don't get as nervous and, um, you know, the, there's a, you know, you got to be scared of the guy, right? You got to respect him. You got to go out there knowing that there's a chance and, uh, you know, that's a hard lesson to learn. Right. And, and you know, unfortunately I learned it by getting punched up and shit, but you know, you can, you know, 
it's going to be interesting to see if, if that's how it ends out for Fury. But, you know, I get the feeling, you know, he's a consummate professional and he's going to be ready. And, and to be honest, like, even if he wasn't fully ready, like, it, he's he's boxed for a long fucking time. And this is Francis's first boxing match. So, you know, he might even be okay. But, you know, it might be the difference between Francis going eight rounds versus 12 rounds. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I said, I'm not certainly not going to sit here and pick Francis and Ganu to win, but those little things do concern me. Like I said, because, you know, again, like I didn't have that concern for when Floyd fought uh, Connor, but I just, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pick it to happen, the opposite to happen. Well, I think that like, Floyd Connor is a perfect example where I don't think Floyd took that serious. No, he probably you didn't. Know, and, no. Yeah. And therefore, Connor went, what, nine rounds? Yeah, where to the ninth round, had he yeah. taken it serious and he really wanted to make a show and go out there and win, um, you know, it probably would have lasted four. Yeah, well, that's that's the same thing we saw when Floyd and again, I know we're dealing with the giant size difference and everything, but like that's what we saw with Floyd with Logan Paul. He was making a show of it. Yeah, like yeah, and, exactly. and guess what? They sold a shit ton of pay per views off that. Like they sold an ass ton of pay per views with him and Logan Paul. How do you sell pay per views? You sell pay per views by people tuning in and staying, not by people like gonna pay for a one round fight. Like they're gonna go in and watch an eight round fight. Do you? Do we really in our in our absolute world awards believe that Logan Paul, even as big as he is, is a millionth percent the same as Floyd Mayweather? No. Right. He let him hang around there, and yes, the size did make a difference. Logan's like six two and two hundred pounds, and Floyd is whatever five seven. You know, so yes, there's a massive size discrepancy. But come on now, like you know, Floyd was dicking around in there. He wasn't. He wasn't going in there trying to knock out Logan Paul. He was doing it for a show. Yeah, and Floyd's smart too. Like we all know, Floyd has had uh, hand problems for years and years. So why would he go in there and just unload a combo straight off? Right. Like it's going to be so much easier for him if he does it like he did Logan or Connor. Right. Carry them along. Let them get tired. He's one of the best defensive fighters in history. He fucking lets these guys burn themselves out and, you know, do all the little boxing tricks, feel the guy out, don't take no punches and make it an easy night for you. Put on a little bit of a show. Like no one cares if Floyd Mayweather beats logan paul in 10 rounds or two rounds you know what i mean like like noah's like oh floyd sucks now took him 10 rounds (laughs) that's floyd's style so you know he's always going to do that hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. The highest level of boxing is going to come up in October, though, when Logan Paul fights Dylan Danis. Now, that is the highest of high-level boxing right there, Matt. Well, it's some very high-level shit talking from Dylan <laughs> Danis. I can tell you that much because I scrolled through his uh, uh, some of his social media feeds the other day, and I was like, holy shit, this guy. He just went – if you look at the comments, like Dylan Danis went from the biggest laughing stock in – MMA history to just a fucking legend now. Like everybody's like, this dude is a fucking killer. 
He went for the jugular. I'll give him that, man. He's not slowing down on that. I, mean, I guess you're gonna get. I guess you're gonna get people interested in watching a fight. You might as well tune. You might as well get him to tune in because I don't think Dylan Dennis is a good boxer. Not that I think Logan Paul's a great boxer, but uh, listen, dude. Like I said, good more power to him. I think he's. I you know, do. I actually think he's gonna show up and fight. Do I? I still have that question because. That's kind of been, yeah, he's been out since 2019. <laughs> like, do I really have faith? And then, dude, they brought over Mike Perry as the backup. I'm actually talking to Mike uh, tomorrow. Uh, they brought over Mike Perry, and he stared out with Logan Paul. Logan's probably, like, in the back of Logan's head, he's like, please, dear God, let Dylan Dana stay in this fight because he does not want to fight Mike Perry. I'm sorry, yeah, dude. Mike, sure. Perry, Mike Perry will knock the piss out of Logan Paul. That's going to be, yeah, that'd be really interesting if that happens. But I'll tell you what, uh, even if you know, Dylan does make it to the fight, which I'm with you, we have no clue if he's actually going to. But if he does, dude, we shouldn't discount Dylan. Like, he is a good, a really, really good athlete. He's been doing stand-up for a while now. Um, I don't think he's, you know, he he's his own worst enemy. Like, he puts, you know, backs out of these fights, talks all this stupid shit, says some of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life, and – you know, just starts the feuds with the completely wrong people like fucking Gordon Ryan and Gary Tawanen. Like, like why, why would you start a feud with those guys? Like that's a, they thrive on that shit. So yeah. So anyway, but he is a fucking athlete, bro. And I would say probably, you know, just on athletic, uh, playing field, like he's gotta be comparable with Logan Paul as an athlete. I think. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would say you're right, but here's the thing. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, like, yeah, is he comparable with that? Yeah, but you know who else was a, you know who else was an athlete? Like, a legit athlete, an Olympian? Ben Askren. How well did he do when he went and fought boxing against Jake well, Paul, of all people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, Ben... Ben's a unique athlete too. Like, but I'm like saying he's, he's an Olympian. He's an actual like he went and wrestled in the Olympics. He's a legit NCAA champion wrestler. That's an athlete. Fair. I think Tyron Woodley would be a better example there because he's like a he's actually a real athlete. But you know what I'm yeah, saying though. Like, but I'm saying like yeah. that's a wrestler trying. Like he's a jujitsu guy. Like he doesn't like. I, there's I have and I, it's like Good the Ghana. Like I have no. I at least in Ghana is known as a knockout. Like he's a knockout striker in mixed martial arts. Dylan Dennis is a submission specialist. This is not his first. Okay, like yeah. if if it's if it's Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy, who's been primarily a kickboxer, but he's a striker, right? Like, if he was going to go over and do it, I'd have a little bit more faith in him because he knows you do it. You're a legit striker, legit knockouters. Now, are you a full-time boxer? No. But what I believe you could go over there and knock the piss out of Logan Paul? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, you could do that. Dylan Dennis is a jiu-jitsu guy and a good jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, not the best, but he was a very good jiu-jitsu guy. But jiu-jitsu's not boxing. You know what I mean? Like, that's not you throwing hands. Like, so... I don't like, I'm not saying that I, I just, I don't know. Like I'm still of the mindset. I'm, I'm, I'm on Dylan Dennis the way you're on Conor McGregor. Like, is he ever going to fight again? Like I'm on that boat. Like, I think this is going to be a good show. And like, and, you know, something's going to happen two weeks for the fight where he's going to, you know, hurt a rib muscle or something. Yeah, and we're sure, not going to see yeah. him fight, but the show is fun. Like I did the press conference last week lasted for like 15 minutes. It was so ridiculous and stupid. But it was like way more like John Fury flipped up a table and Logan's throwing cake at Dylan Dennis. Like it was the most ridiculous thing ever, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> Good, fair point. Yeah, fair point. I mean, yeah. He's probably gonna get fucked up. I just, I never seen Logan Paul box. So I don't even know if he's any good. So, I mean, he's not. I mean, 
what are we like what's the scale of good like when we talk about like what's the scale <laughs> right. is, like is logan paul a good boxer compared to dylan danis probably is logan uh, paul a good boxer compared to floyd mayweather no is he a good boxer compared to you know one of the no like there's a there's a sliding scale of good like when we say it's like when we say jake paul's like jake paul's not a bad boxer he's not a bad boxer compared to uh you know anderson silva and nate diaz and tyron woodley and you know but is he a good boxer compared to uh david benavidez no (laughs) (laughs) we're in a different you're in a different universe right now fair point fair point okay yeah. 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 So, yeah. We'll see how it works out. I don't know. <laughs> well, like, the, the, I, how do we end up talking about this shit anyway? Uh, we were talking about boxing, and I mentioned high level boxing and joked about Dylan Dance and Logan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're breaking it up. I see. I did. I did. I brought it up. Well, I was, I was leaning into like, cause, dude, it's, it's, ha- it's happening like two weeks or a week before, two weeks before Nganu Fury. Nganu Fury okay. is on the eighth, the 28th. Logan Paul and then obviously KSI and uh, and and Tommy Fury are fighting on the same card on the 14th, so it's like two weeks apart. So like that's the weirdest month of boxing ever. The two biggest cards are KSI versus Tommy Fury, Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis, and Francis Ngannou against Tyson Fury. Dude, what is this world coming to? Dude, it's hilarious to me though. I, but you know what? I enjoy the show because you know what? Alexander Usyk is the second best heavyweight in the sport. How many people were like super excited and man, can't wait to watch that one on Saturday. I just said, dude, I could have watched it. I was like, I need sleep. I didn't care enough to stay awake. And you were like, you said the same thing. You're like, yeah, I watched the highlights, but guess what? We're all, we are one. We are all going to watch KSI, Tommy Fury and Logan Paul and Dylan Dan's. Why? Because it's a freaking sideshow, dude. It's a circus. We all enjoy the circus. Yeah, well, to be honest, I probably won't watch those, but I, I might. But you but, said the same. But yeah. you said the thing about Fury and Ghana, like you're like, I'm gonna hate myself for watching it, but I'm gonna. That, that everyone's gonna. I'm, you're right. That one I'm watching. Um, yeah, that one you you gotta watch that one. But uh, Usyk, you boy, I was like, eh. <laughs> you know, I just had other shit going on, man. You know, it was yeah. a bad time. So. <laughs> but tell me, but tell me the truth. What I said earlier, you talk about Dylan Dan is the real athlete. Okay, I can I can jive with that. He's a real athlete. He is. He's legit. He's a legit jujitsu guy. But if you're Logan Paul, who are you hoping to see across the ring from you that night? Dylan Dennis or Mike Perry? Oh yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah, he just he's not want to fuck with Mike Perry, man. And, and and not because like Mike Perry's not a great boxer either. But he doesn't give a fuck, bro. Like he comes forward and throws bombs. Like I, I was, I just watched one of his uh, versus MVP of bare knuckle the other day, and I was like, he has no technique at all. He literally just walks forward and throws, and he doesn't look good doing it at all. But it, it fucking gets the job done. So yeah, I'm right there with you. He's praying that Dylan Danis shows up. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, dude, like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Mike, as you said, I'm not saying Mike Perry's the best boxer, but as you said, Mike Perry don't give a fuck. He will go in there and throw hands, and Dylan and Logan Paul will regret his life decisions with that fight because he does not want to get punched. Yeah. He's been he's been punched by KSI, and, and he kind of got punched a little bit by Floyd Mayweather, who's like 40 pounds lighter than him. Um, and he's never been, he's like, imagine the the first real punch you take from a dude around your weight is Mike Perry. <laughs> like that, 
that's he been yeah. he's like right now Logan Paul is the biggest Dylan Danis fan. He does not want that dude dropping out of this fight. <laughs> so what is Logan Paul's end game here? I know Jake Paul, he wanted to be like he wants to be a boxer, right? Like yeah. you know, he's he's built himself up, you know, through all these uh you know, obviously it's not working out too great for him, but you know, he's building himself up through all these uh big fight, you know, sideshow shit. But but he wants to actually be a boxer. What is Logan Paul looking for here? Logan Paul wants to be a star. And he is. He's in WWE, he's doing the wrestling thing. He's, you know, obviously yep. doing all that kind of stuff. You know what I think he's building towards? You wanna know honestly what he's building towards right now? I'm telling you, twenty twenty four. Logan Paul versus Jake Paul in a boxing match. Oh, wow. Okay. Didn't you see all the controversy a couple weeks ago? They did a podcast together. And Logan's like, I'm a better boxer than you. And like, they were kind of going back and forth. And there's like kind of getting a little heated between them. And I'm like, come on. They are just 100% building towards the moment when the Paul brothers fight in a boxing ring. They are building it up okay. to do this huge pay-per-view where brothers collide. Why? I'm telling you right now, that is what they're building towards. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, I mean, that'd be a big seller. That that for sure would be a gigantic fight, right? Yeah. Come on now. Like they're that's one hundred percent. That's what they're building towards. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. I like, see the game now. KSI is fighting Tommy Fury. Let's be honest. Tommy Fury should win. Like, there's. I mean, he should win. Okay. Uh, maybe KSI fights Jake afterwards because they've been going back and forth. Maybe they fight Tyson or excuse me, yeah, Tyson. Logan goes out there, beats Dylan Dennis, or prays he doesn't have to fight Mike Perry, or he'll suddenly have a rib injury and not fight Mike Perry. Uh, and then they're 20. I'm doing, I'm telling you, 2024, some point we're going to be talking about Logan Paul against Jake Paul. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. Man, we need to just make a shit show league, right? Like just the sideshow circus league, right? <laughs> Just dude, I, but you know what? I've just learned to embrace it, man. I'm done fighting it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying You're it's right. good. I'm not saying it's good. Trust me. I would much rather watch Max Holloway and the Korean zombie. And I'd much rather watch Cyril gone and Sergey Spivak and Israel Adesanya against Sean Strickland. I'll watch those fights a thousand times over, but I've given up fighting the whole influencer boxing thing. Like, dude, whatever. It's fun. I don't care. Like, you know, it is like, pretty dude, fun. I can't dude, lie. It's, it's you're pretty from, fun. You're from Ohio. You went to. You and I both went to Tough Man contest back in the day, did we not? Remember when oh, they used to have yeah. Tough Man's here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Air Arena. Yeah, they were horrible, but it was fun to watch two dudes go in there and fight for eight seconds till one of them got knocked out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, this is that's this. This is that. That's this Tough Man competition all over again. This is two dudes who have no business being in there who are going to throw punches at each other and you know, you might see one of them get their head knocked off. That's literally what wish, this is. I just wish they would do like a, a Muay Thai, like let these guys kick and elbow and beat, actually beat the fuck out of each other. <laughs> Dude, that was like when we were talking about the whole Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg thing, like we talked about the lowest level MMA. Like the reason I don't want them doing MMA is it's going to look so bad. It is going to look so like they're going to hit the floor and it's going to be hilariously bad. Dude, you could literally go down to the local shit show, MMA, uh, regional barnyard show and see the exact same thing as those two guys, right? So I don't get why people are into it. But it doesn't sound like it's going to happen, though, huh? No, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. It sounds like Elon Musk is scared from what it sounds like. So, 
Oh, you team Zuck, I guess. Huh? I'm t- I'm I'm not team Zuck as much as I'm. That's the way it looks. Like you know, Elon's like, let's go fight in your backyard. Like really, that's where you want to. You want to put on this fight that a billion people would watch. You want to have it in his backyard. Like you want to have like the Facebook satellites broadcasting. Like, what's going on here? So yeah, it <laughs> seems like I told dude. Didn't I tell you when we talked about that months ago? Didn't I say that the egos of these two guys would never allow them to fight? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like their egos would never like Elon Musk would never allow his ego to get bruised by getting like tapped out by Mark Zuckerberg. There is no world where he wants his ego to get destroyed like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're, they're fucking nerds. Like what are they doing? <laughs> even talking about fighting. That's why I'm like, dude, I'll talk about fighting. I ain't saying I'm a fighter. I sure as shit ain't doing it. I'm not, I'm not lying about that. I like the sport. I ain't fighting the sport. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we need a Damon Martin match. I mean, I'll whoop Elon Musk's ass. That's easy. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, that's, uh, that's calling like, out the Musk. <laughs> dude, that's not really a call out. That's like, you know, I'm just saying I could, I know I could do that, but that's about, as, but when, I was talking at the lowest level MMA possible. I'm like, I could win that fight. That's about as high level <laughs> as I go right there. Uh, yeah. Like I said, dude, Logan Paul, Dylan Dan, they can all fight each other, make money, whatever. That's why what I said, dude, I don't care that, uh, I don't care that uh, that uh, Anderson and Nate Diaz, these guys are over there making money. Like, good for them. Like, you know, like I don't, I don't care. Yeah. It does, it, it does make me sad that Nate Diaz made more money to fight Jake Paul than he ever made in his UFC career, and it does make me sad that Francis has to go fight Tyson Fury to make like a legit eight figure payday. That bums me out. But that's like a that's yeah. a financial problem. That's not like a I hate that it's happening. It's more of like I hate that our sport doesn't take better care of the athletes. Yeah, which is a whole nother conversation, right? For maybe another show or something, right? Like it's, you know, that's just kind of is what it is. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have plenty more to talk about next week. We're rolling into UFC 293. Got to be honest, Matt, not the strongest card in the world. I don't know if you've seen this card, but it's not great. Uh, Obviously, the champ, Israel Adesanya, fighting Sean Strickland. That's the headliner. And Israel, anytime Israel fights, it's a big deal. Uh, I interviewed Israel a couple of days ago. I don't know if you saw that interview pop up today, but I interviewed Israel uh, a couple of days ago. Good interview. Uh, I don't get yeah. to talk to Israel. Israel doesn't do a lot of media, so like the rare opportunity to talk to him is always cool. So uh, it was a good interview. Like talked for about 10, 15 minutes, so it's up on MMA Fighting right now. You can listen to it. Over there on the podcast, uh, it's up on the website right now, so check it out. But, uh, yeah, that's next week. So we'll do a little UFC 293 next week, a little UFC 293 preview next week, and uh, kind of talk about the fallout What's the rest of that card, Damon? Taitui Vasa is fighting uh, uh, on Alexander Volkov. Okay. And then, that could be a fun one. That could be a fun one. That could be a fun one. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Manel Cop against a newcomer named Felipe Dos Santos. And yeah, then, like uh, yeah, uh, Justin Taffa against Austin Lane. They had that fight a few weeks ago or a month, a couple months ago, where he got a thumb, thumb to the eye and the fight ended like super quick. So they're rematching. Um, Tyson Pedro is fighting Anton Turgosh. Tur- Turg- I can't remember how you pronounce his last name. Turgoshi, Turgosh. Uh, they're fighting. Carlos Olberg is fighting. He's a fun guy to watch. Ja- Jung Daun is a good fight. That's a fun one. Um, Jack Jenkins and Chepe Mariscal. That's a fun one. But again, like name value, like they had Manel Cobb was fighting yeah, Kai of France. That was a great fight. But then Kai of France got a concussion. He dropped out. So like that kind of bummed me out because him and him and Manel Cobb would have been a great fight. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of names on that card, but I'll tell you what, I used to train with Chepe back in the day and 
Yeah, I love that dude, man. He is a savage. He was part of Team Elevation back in the day. Come in, Trent TJ and uh, Corey saying, hey, you know, those guys. He's a fucking savage, man. So I love watching that dude fight. I don't know if you remember his uh, – it's his debut not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, no, I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually interviewing him tomorrow. Funny enough, I'm talking to him tomorrow. He's good. I talked to him after his last fight, man. The dude's a scrapper. Yeah, definitely tell him I said what's up, man. He's such a uh, great guy, man. He's such a great fighter. I thought he'd be in the UFC long before now. I'm glad he finally got a shot, and I know he's going to put on some real wars, man. That dude is an absolute scrapper. Yeah, and I think like the downside of this card is that we're not getting Israel and Drake as Duplessis. Like that was the fight, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I have nothing against Sean Strickland, but like he's getting this fight by default. Like he's not getting it because like everyone was like shouting to the heavens, "We need to see Israel versus Sean Strickland." They're getting it because Drake was injured and couldn't fight. Yeah, which kind of sucks, but yeah, that'll be next for Adesanya, right? Assuming that he beats Sean Strickland, who. um you know, from all angles that I'm seeing, right, is a great matchup for him. So you got to think is he's going to win this fight and he's going to go out and he's going to fight Drikas next, and that's going to be an uh, exciting build-up and an exciting fight, I think. Maybe. Maybe. Don't forget, October, we got Hamzad fighting Paulo Costa. If Hamzad wins that fight, I would not be shocked in the least mm. if, he, if he leapfrogged over Drakus. Just saying. Throwing that out there is a possibility. Mm. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Where's Costa rank now? He's still in like the top five, six. I'm not sure where exactly, but we're in that top five, six area. So he's still there. I mean, he's still ranked. He's still, I mean, the only guys he lost to were Rockhold and Vittori. And Vittori, or uh, Rockhold, he lost to Adesanya and Vittori. And Vittori was the light heavyweight fight uh, when he missed weight badly that one time. Um, yep, yep. But yeah, he's still ranked right there. So he's, that's what Israel said that to me when I asked him about that fight. I said, uh, how, do you, how do you see that one going down? He's like, I'm rooting for Hamza because I want some new blood. Like, I need some new competition. But he's like, I made it look easy against Paulo Costa, but don't be fooled. That's a hard fight. Like, Paulo Costa mm-hmm. is a hard fight for anybody. Uh, so don't think you're just going to go out there and run through him. He's like, I made it look easy. doesn't mean anybody else is going to do the same thing. So, um, yeah. No, that, that's, a, that's a good call. That's a great matchup. What happened with Drakus? Uh, foot injury coming out of the Whitaker fight. He just had a foot injury. I mean, to be fair, he fought in July. They wanted him to turn around and fight in September. That's a quick turnaround. I mean, that's a, you know, it's two months. Like he got a foot injury and he couldn't train. And so, yeah, it is what it is. I agree. Drakus is next, but I'm just saying if Hamza goes out there and can demolish Paulo Costa, which again, I don't know if he will, but if he can, just saying, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. No, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, Hamzat's got all the hype in the world behind him, so that's going to be interesting to see. Dude, we are yeah. all we are all prisoners of the moment. We all you do that. That's what happens every single time when anyone anyone wins. If another guy fights a week later, we lose track because that guy puts on an impressive performance a week later. We forget about what the guy did the week before. Uh, so Hamzat, sure. I'm sure we'll do a breakdown of uh, of that fight card next week, right? Yep, we'll be talking about that one next week. So, yeah, so uh, everyone tune into that. Obviously, we'll be back with UFC 293 next week. Uh, big thank you, as always, to everyone that tunes into the show. Matt Brown, what else you got going on? People can find you, as always. Want to give you a chance to plug the people who support. They can support you. Uh, I'm the Immortal Instagram and Twitter. Check it out, at the Immortal Coffee. Also, on Instagram and Twitter. And also, my my latest company, Hook. Oh, sorry. Latest company I've been working with, hooking me up greatly, is Create Creatine Gummies. You got to check them out. They're awesome. If you take creatine, it's the best, easiest, most convenient way to take creatine. It tastes great. It's at try.create. 
create creatine gummies yes sir that's interesting that's a, I, no, I don't think i've ever even heard of that i never heard of it either and they sent me some and i said dude this is my new thing bro let's go i love this nice. i mean i take creatine every day regardless but it's like you know i get it in a gummy and the biggest advantage that i liked about it is when i travel right because oh, yeah. every time you you go through tsa if you got a powder they're going to stop you and then you got to sit there and wait and now I just go right through TSA, no problem. That's a good point. I never thought about that. Yeah, that's interesting. I never even heard of that before. That's pretty cool. It is cool. I'll go get you some, bro. I like it. I like it. Yeah, do it up. So there you go. Support those who uh, who, who support Matt Brown. Do that as always. And uh, as always, a big thank you, everyone that tunes in. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Fighter versus The Writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.